watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cullen. Yes. Yes, it's me. It's me. Thank you so much for joining us. Keep clapping. Clap for the Bitcoin miracle. How would we know that you wanted the Bitcoin miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally spike cohen thank you so much for tuning in uh for this amazing episode on this amazing day which is wednesday the i believe 17th there we go 17th uh thank you so much for tuning in we have a really cool episode uh if you were wondering uh questions about blockchain such as what even is the blockchain this is the show for you this is of course a muddy waters media production check us out on facebook on twitter on youtube on instagram we're on anchor for all your podcasting needs we are on float if you want to get off of big tech and use something useful like float uh we are on uh itunes google play twitch we're on all we're on discord we're now on linkedin we're every we're literally everywhere we are everywhere check us out of course on muddy waters media uh and in all all of your favorite uh podcasting apps we are on those as well as podcast listening be sure to share this right now share it right now share it with everyone like us follow us five star us whatever you are watching or listening to this on be sure to do whatever the thing is that allows you to follow us and if you're uh listening watching this on youtube be sure to not just press subscribe you got to hit the bell if you want your phone to explode with notifications multiple well actually it's not multiple times a day it's a couple times a week Every Because I make it sound bad, like you don't want to do it. You want your phone to get notifications when we go live or post something 
then do it. Press the bell. Be sure to hit the bell. Please, please hit the bell. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party, or really in any party, honestly, ever. Um, the uh, uh, this it, Become a member today by going to the uh, Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus and buying buttons. Be sure to buy buttons uh, by going to muddywatersmedia.com and then pressing the store link and you will see our buttons. You can buy buttons to become an official member of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. This episode, of course, is also brought to you by the Gravy King. And this episode is brought to you by the by Nug of Knowledge, smokable CBD products. Nug of Knowledge is much different than, uh, than other uh, CBD suppliers. Uh, they have a compassionate use program uh, that donates medic- medicinal hemp products to veterans and people with disabilities who cannot afford these types of natural remedies on their own. A portion of profits also go to help end the war on drugs. Uh, many people who uh, use it say that it helps with joint pain and stress relief or even a much-needed pick-me-up. Uh, so be sure to go to nugofknowledge.com and be sure to use the checkout code SPIKE for 10% off. This episode, of course, is brought to you by personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you are in the Tampa Bay area of Florida and you find yourself personally injured, then I have some great news for you. Well, besides, well, I feel bad for you that you got personally injured, but but once we establish, I mean, you've already been injured. So there's nothing anyone can do about that. It's already happened. So I'm sorry that that happened, but I have some fantastic news for you. Once you have uh, been personally injured, which has already happened, and I'm very sorry about it, you can go to chrisreynoldslaw.com today, or when you have an opportunity to, and personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, will help you. He'll probably get you like a lot of money. I can't guarantee that, of course, but he will do his best, especially if your case is good. If you've got a fraudulent case, then he's not going to be able to help you. I mean, if if you haven't really, if you're just trying to make a buck and you haven't really been like really personally injured then there's nothing anyone can do really why are you what are you doing but if you if you've been really like actually injured in a personal way uh in the tampa bay area of florida chris reynolds can help you with that chrisreynoldslaw.com the intro and outro music to this and every single episode of my fellow americans comes from the amazing and talented mr joe davi that's j-o-d-a-v-i incredibly talented musician go to his facebook Go to his SoundCloud. Go to joedaviemusic.bandcamp.com. His Bandcamp. Go to his Bandcamp. Buy his entire discography. It's like 25 bucks, And it's incredible music. It is just a ton of great listening. He's an amazing musical artist and dear friend. Thank you so much, Joe Davi. I'd like to thank Le Bleu for this delicious, pure, ultra pure. Why is that not? I don't know why that's not focusing. This ultra pure drinking water that I drink on this and... Many episodes, not not all of them, but mo- many, probably most episodes of my fellow Americans, Bulavanaka. I'm actually parched. I needed that. I'm going to be drinking a lot of this tonight. Shout out to Tehran Turks and Mom and him as always. Folks, before I begin the show, I'd like to address uh, the fact that um, the most successful uh, broadcaster in, um, or successful host in the world of talk radio uh, passed away today, Rush Limbaugh. 
Um, Rush is someone that I used to actually listen to many, many, many years ago, back when I was a conservative. Um, and uh, as I said, he was the most successful uh, in terms of his longevity, how long his show went on, how many, how much, uh, how successful his ratings were and sustained, uh, and the fact that he would do a daily three-hour-long program. Uh, often without any, more often than not without any guests, which I can't even imagine talking for three hours uh, a day for, actually I probably do do that, but I, he did that live on the radio, uh, five days a week for, uh, longer than a lot of the people watching this have been alive. Uh, there are many, many things I do not agree with Rush Limbaugh on. Um, and there are many things that I disagreed with, uh, vehemently with him on. Uh, and, and there are plenty of times, uh, that we can talk about that. Uh, but one thing I do want to say is that Rush Limbaugh was the major influence on Matt Wright, the man who uh, co-founded and is the co-owner of Muddy Waters Media. Uh, so there is, it could easily be said that Muddy Waters Media would not exist today were it not for uh, Rush Limbaugh. And uh, if for no other reason, then I, I choose to bring him up. And of course, uh, I'm sure that he is uh, very much missed by his loved ones, and I hope that he rests in peace, and I pray that his memory is a great blessing to uh, everyone whose lives that he touched. So, uh, with that said, my guest tonight is an expert on cybersecurity, cryptocurrency, and the blockchain. He is a co-owner and an instructor at Intelligence Quest, where he provides a variety of clientele with training on network infrastructure and security. His background is in acquisition and analysis of public and proprietary data. He has published peer-reviewed articles in computer modeling, catalysis, programming, network, data acquisition, and security. And he is now going to explain what all of that means, because I cannot. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, please welcome to the show, Mr. Travis Wentworth. Travis, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for the amazing intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Man. Listen, I, I'm excited to have you on. When I was putting together my questions for you, a sense of calm came over me because I know just enough about the subjects that we're about to talk about to talk fairly intelligently about them for somewhere between three to five minutes. Um, and so basically this whole episode, I'm just going to say words to you and then say, tell me what this means. So, so thank you for that. What is this? One of those, uh, puzzles where you just fill the words in and we just, we just go from there. It's like Mad Libs, except in reverse. I say the <laughs> yes. word and then you have to explain what it means. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for coming on and folks, be sure to comment with your thoughts and questions. We are live and Travis and I will tell you if you are right or wrong, you're you might be wrong because this is going to be a, 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 we're talking about a lot of stuff here. You might be right. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but before we get started, what even, I, I always ask my guests when I, when, you know, they come on and they're, they're so, you know, in depth and experts on their various respective fields. What got you into this? Like, why are you in the technological field? What, 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 what inspired you to get into that? Yeah. So I've always been kind of an engineering type first and foremost. And uh, I think, uh, so my PhD is actually in chemical engineering. And so we were doing okay. um, modeling of catalytic systems. And so catalysis is what my PhD was in, heterogeneous catalysis. And um, we were so, looking so at just, the... Just, so just to, I, of course, know what catalysis is because, come on. But for yeah. those who may not know what that, what exactly is that? It's, uh, it's how you make uh, chemical reactions go, right? So ah. they're hard, it's hard to make these reactions go. And so what you do is you use a, a catalyst. You use something to drive the reactions forward, right? And okay. uh, a really great example of that is your car, right? Your catalytic converter in your car. 
That is a heterogeneous catalyst. It's a solid catalyst that works to drive gas phase reactions. And that's exactly what I was working on. I was actually looking at reducing emissions in diesel cars. We were looking at modeling those infrastructures. Oh, okay. And, yeah, um, yeah. and we were building systems to like to do the actual physical reactions. It's pretty cool. Cool. And so obviously the next step to that would be cybersecurity. What, what got, what, you know, that's what started you was in chemical engineering. What got you into like, uh, you know, computer modeling and, and networking and cybersecurity and that and blockchain and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when you're like a technologist, right, most of the time you're kind of interested in a lot of stuff. And so at that time right. I was actually doing a lot of computer networking. Um, so I had, I've held like some computer networking certifications all the way back to like 2008. I was kind of doing computer networking, um, computer modeling, some physical reactions and kind of all of it at once. Right. And so I was looking to come back from Sweden. I was doing a postdoctoral research fellowship in Sweden in, uh, in reactions, chemical engineering and that type of stuff. And uh, when I came back, I had the opportunity to go to jump straight into computer networking and cybersecurity, a space I had been in for years and years, uh, kind of half in one half in the other. And so uh, in 2017, I came back uh, stateside and started doing cybersecurity and network infrastructure training and consulting full-time. And so the last piece is, okay, well, then how does that relate to cryptocurrency, blockchain, these technologies? Right, 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 right. And it turns out the fundamentals of Bitcoin are actually based on traditional cybersecurity principles. Okay, okay. So that's what got you into that. Now, starting off with our questions here, we're going to have many guests who... You know, we get we hear a lot about blockchain and cryptocurrency, and it's probably best in in best service to my viewers to ask what I'm sure half of them are wondering, but often may be scared to ask, which is this. What even is blockchain and cryptocurrency? Can you give us like a real before we get into the details? Can you give us like a real basic primer on what that even is? Yeah. So the most important thing about blockchain, right, about uh, blockchains is that they're ledgers, right? They're ledgers of transactions in the case of Bitcoin, right? right. And so it's literally just a, a ledger of transactions. Uh, one piece of value, one Bitcoin was transferred from this wallet to that wallet, from this wallet to that wallet, and it's a ledger of transactions. And then you might say, well, why? how does that have value, right? Why, right. why are we right. talking about it then? And so actually your entire life is transactional right? Your, your transaction value from yourself to a merchant, that merchant yep. is transacting value from a merchant to a supplier, that supplier is, is transacting and sending that value to their employees, right? Everything in our society is transactional. And so as of right now, right, most of that value transaction is verified by entities, banks, and central governments, and SWIFT and ACH and these networks of banks and credit companies, right? Right. And so the value in blockchain, at least in the Bitcoin discussion, right, is that we don't have to trust that infrastructure to hold that ledger for us anymore, right? And so now we can we can take and have this distributed ledger, this decentralized ledger that we all agree on, right? And so there's a bunch of cryptographic principles that allow us to do this, but the blockchain is this decentralized ledger that allows us all to agree like, yep, everybody transacted on this ledger and I sent Spike some money and Spike sent me some Bitcoin and we all agree that it happened. And we can we can get into a little bit more depth about it, but that's the that's the the real value prop is that this is value transfer without, you know, some centralized entity having to verify every single thing. 
And so this is what they talk about when they say it's a trustless system, because you're not having to trust the person you're transacting with. You don't have to trust some centralized system that is telling you, no, 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 we got it all taken care of. Don't worry about it. Like you said, like HCH and and, and other bank driven centralized systems. You don't have to trust anyone. There is you can trust the fact that there is a, a decentralized ledger that literally everyone can look at. In fact, you can actually download the ledger and you can actually see and look at with precision every single transaction that's happening, which is why when people will say, well, can it be hacked? It really can't because there's it's simultaneously all in one and individually uh, owned by everyone involved. Every single person you would have to try to hack every single person on Earth's version of the the, the ledger in real time uh, in before anyone could catch that it was happening. So no, it, it really, it, to that extent, can't be hacked. Or if it could, it would require so much energy and so much literal actual power, uh, processing power to even attempt to do in any real way that it would long, you know, it, it would stop to be able to to uh, illegitimately buy a chaise lounge on Overstock. You would have to spend hundreds of billions of dollars in resources it, it wouldn't happen like it just you you can't it's impossible to do so you know unfortunately um as we were talking um as you know uh bitcoin just crashed to uh 52,322 dollars uh US dollar uh bitcoin is now dead um why so, were we so wrong what were we so why were how were we how were we so wrong about bitcoin <laughs> Unbelievable, right? So the question, so you talked about the value <laughs> appreciation, right? right. <laughs> how are we? How were so many people so wrong about the appreciation of, of the asset as well, right? And how could we have been so wrong? People like Buffett and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's right. It's dead. Look, look at it. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's over. Like the the, yeah. the coin. I mean, all those gold bugs was, are right. It was worth fifty two three seventy five earlier in the day, and now, I mean, it's done. Give me what, my dollars back. That's give all. me my fifty dollars back, Bitcoin. <laughs> so no, okay. So let's. Let, I had to bring that up because it's. I'm flexing a little bit. Um. So we hear a lot about. Well, let's talk about crypto because I mean, one thing that we we often hear is, well, why Bitcoin and why Ethereum or you know why these these couple of of some of the main players? Why not some other one that might be faster or cheaper to use or whatever? Let's talk about that a little. Bitcoin is not the most technologically advanced of all of all the different cryptocurrencies by a by a long shot. Like, I mean, there are some major structural uh, deficits there, which can be addressed, but they haven't yet. Um, and some argue that they don't have to be yet. But regardless, there are ones that are, are more you know efficient and cheaper to use and, and so forth. Why? Obviously, Bitcoin was the first one to come out and was the only one for, for at least a few years. But that was long ago in, in, in the time of, of cryptocurrency, that was relatively early on. Why is Bitcoin the undisputed king of, of crypto? What, 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 why is that? Yeah, so you hit on something earlier, which was the adoption level, right? So the first thing is when you have so many nodes, so many computers, so many people invested in the infrastructure, that makes it more secure. Right. And so one of the best uh, quotes I've ever heard, I think it was from Pompliano, uh, Anthony Pompliano, but he said, you know, what you're really investing in or what you're really banking on with Bitcoin is that it's the most secure computer network on the planet. And you touched on that as well. Right. Security. And so the value prop, let's say, of Bitcoin 
which is, you know, not the most technologically advanced of the blockchains. It's not a smart contract infrastructure. It doesn't do these other things, right? The transactions per second are right. slow, right? So we kind of yeah. hit on the bad things. Let's talk about the good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the value prop is that it is the most secure computer network on the planet, right? The idea that, you know, other things have value and that store value like gold. And we, we touched on this in the end, uh, in, in our pre-show, right, was the, the, the difference between let's say gold and bitcoin as a store of value right why is this why is this such a valuable technology versus some of these other things right and so bitcoin is is inherently more secure than all of these other things right and so what bitcoin does well it does better than anybody and so that's the real value prop in my opinion right is ethereum Cardano, Tezos, these are all other blockchains, right? And so right, that's actually right. different than some of these coins. And we'll, we'll probably get into it. Think other things like, I don't know, Celsius or Chainlink or whatever, right? Those are, those are right. uh, tokens, right? Which is different from coins, which are blockchains, right? Yeah, I, so, I, I actually do want to, I do want to get into that briefly at the end, but, but go ahead. Yeah. So, but the blockchains themselves, so you'd say, so why don't we use something like Cardano that has higher transactions per second, lower network fees than Ethereum and, and Bitcoin, right? Well, Bitcoin has one, the largest network effect. And in right. technology, we know that network effect is easily the most important thing. Just ask Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right? Network effect wins, uh, you know, a ni 99 times out of 100, right? And so it has, one, the network to support it, and two, it does the one thing well that it needs to do well, right, which is store value and be secure. That's the only thing that it does, right, is there is no way for you to trans transfer one Bitcoin fr from one wallet to another wallet without right. it being verified and signed by your private key, which is kind of the crypt cryptographic solution that we use to do this. There is no way for you to double spend that Bitcoin, which is the second big problem, right? And so if we can verify the transactions and we can prevent the double spend, which is you sending a Bitcoin here and sending a Bitcoin there, we've solved this store of value problem and Bitcoin does that the best. And you see that with price appreciation. You see that with uh, investor buy-in, with corporate with corporate adoption. You will probably see that with governmental adoption at some point in some smaller governments and things like this, because it does that value store so effectively. So that's why in this cryptocurrency space, when you look at market cap, when you look at adoption, when you look at the first person in to cryptocurrency, they're always in Bitcoin usually, right? It's because it is the alpha and the omega of the value prop, which is the store of value, right? It does it better than anybody else. Right. And in fact, I mean, well, wrong one. Uh, a lot of the uh, other coins, the only way you can buy them is with Bitcoin. I mean, I believe there are even some that you can't directly use fiat currency to buy them. You have to buy them through uh, either Bitcoin, and then there are some that you have to you have to use Ethereum. But you know, it's it's there's you know we're going to talk about the fiat on ramp. There's a Bitcoin on ramp to some of these other other coins as well. So it, it really so really where its value is coming from then is the fact that because of early adoption and because it was solid going on, there's so much momentum and there's so many like you said nodes and and basically people and firms that are using Bitcoin and building their systems on the Bitcoin blockchain that 
it's got that advantage that you know it's it's sort of like if i if i've built a uh you know some kind of uh, business or service that is so well established that it's able to provide better than anyone else yes i can have other competition and they can have market share but unless they make a major innovation in that space i'm going to be the default people go to because i was already there i already have that that early market adoption yeah, and it's also the simplicity, right? So technologically, it may not be the most advanced, but it is the most eloquent solution. And that's really what draw drew me to it, right? As a cybersecurity professional, they use the Satoshi Nakamoto, right? The you know pseudonymous founder of right, Bitcoin. Right. He, he or they or she or whatever, right? Um, used a very eloquent solution to secure the blockchain, right? They they use these these well known cybersecurity solutions. They used well known uh, cryptography, which is public key and private key. So you have your private key spike, and that's how you verify that all your transactions are legitimate. And all those right. long numbered things that you see that are your wallet addresses, that's actually a cryptographic key. It's called a public key. You can give that to anyone. I was having a discussion with a gym owner three days ago, and he's like, "Can I just send this to you, and you'll send?" me Bitcoin. I'm like, yeah, man, that's your public address. It's literally like if you had your street address on the side of the road, someone can walk by and look at it. It makes no difference. It's just identifying where you are in the digital world. So then, and and this is where I get confused. So my understanding is everyone can view, because it's the ledger, everyone can, and we can, we're going to talk a little bit more later about, you know, privacy and security issues, but like, Okay, so if everyone, if someone knows my wallet, that means they can follow every single transaction I've ever done, right? Like that—that that means once they know that wallet, they can they can follow all the other transactions. Or am I or am I incorrect in that? No, you're right. Um, Bitcoin has integrated some solutions to prevent this, right? With their like segregated witness updates, Sedgwit. It's S E G W I T. Um, yeah. They increase the transaction per section and they per second, and they also allowed for the integration of um, derivative keys. And so what you have in Bitcoin wallets that you SegWit, which most do now, I think, um, you can have these derived keys. And so for every transaction, you can have a derived key that has its own um, base key, basically. It's a, it's a cryptographic solution to that issue that you're talking about. Now, it's not so, completely private, but um, it, is, it, is a, it is kind of a, you know, at least a cover to you know, everybody looking at every single transaction you've ever made. So there's still there's still a measure that this happened and people can see it, but it doesn't give all the details of it. Basically, it's it's that would only be by the actual witnesses, the segregated witnesses that were a part of that. Yeah, something something like that. It's it's uh, the only way you could aggregate those transactions is if you had that derivative public key, which is still not not the key you use to sign. It's not like your private key that everyone has to keep private, but it is um, the 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 backbone of those other public keys that were derived to do each one of those independent transactions. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And so we hear a lot about crypto, but since there are, but there are many other solutions out there. And since, especially now that Bitcoin is dead, why don't we talk about some of these other programs, these other solutions that, that, that hopefully won't die like Bitcoin did. We hear a lot about a lot of things like, I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, DeFi, CeFi, um, uh, uh, data oracles and, uh, you know, all these other blockchain solutions. What, talk to us about what these different things mean. And, and I guess in a, in a broader sense, talk to us about how blockchain can solve a lot of other problems that couldn't be previously solved without this type of technology. Yeah, this is one of the, the wildest scenarios, right? It's where you can go full rabbit hole, right? You can right, try to right. apply this to 
all kind. I mean, they're applying it to like insurance products, crop protection, yep, yep. weather analysis, like all this stuff. But anyway, so our, our, our um, arbitrating disputes, there's yeah, yeah. It's and and inevitably it is better, right? There's less yep. overhead. The code is doing the work in most of these cases if you integrate it appropriately. Right. There, there it's trustless, so you don't have to worry about right someone deciding that they don't want to pay you on the contract. Anyway, so so yeah, let's talk about a few of the technologies. The first thing we need to do is establish uh, Ethereum, right? So we mentioned Ethereum here. Um, really, mm -hmm. Ethereum kind of set the stage for doing all of this other stuff, right? So if Bitcoin's a great store of value, Ethereum is how we execute on that store of value. They call them smart contracts. You would know these in your real life as contracts. So right. they're really not that very not that different, right? A, a, and a contract says what? If you provide me a service, right? If Spike Cohen mentions me on his podcast, I will give him some value, right? And there's a contract sign that says that you will do this and you will abide by the contract. And what does that really mean in the real world? It means, you know, you'll do what you say you do. And if you don't, people will know and not use you because you're not very trustworthy, right? In the digital world, if we put this into code, then it is immutable. That, that means we can't change it at all, right? And so what... Ethereum has done has a given has given a, an infrastructure for executing contracts, right? And so what you can do is you can say, hey, I want to mint my own token, for example. I want to mint Travis token. And there's going to be 5,500 of them, and I'm going to give them out to special people all over the world, right? And I can write that into code and have it sit on the Ethereum blockchain, right? And so right. those that's an example of something that, that you could do with Ethereum that you cannot do with Bitcoin. Right. And now people could argue there's some solutions and layer two stuff and whatever. But but that's that's the essential um, transition. It, that Ethereum actually has that built into its system as opposed to retrofitting it onto onto Bitcoin. Yeah. With its coding language, Salinity. Yeah. They, they built this language infrastructure to do just that. Right. Right. OK, cool. Uh, so, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So so let's get to your your CFI DeFi stuff. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. our CFI DeFi stuff. We're in this together, Spike. So. <laughs> So this is our, our DeFi comrade. Yeah. <laughs> so actually it's, it's more eloquent than that because we really are right. If we're participating in this infrastructure, we are verifying the blocks. We are, we are uh, it's, building it's the infrastructure out yeah. right now. Right. It's, it's in yeah, its yeah. infancy. It's in its internet 1993 days, which is the coolest thing. So, so then if we can do these things, if we can, uh, allow for the creation of tokens, the transaction of tokens with some dynamic changes, right? If the price hits this value, I will send it into this location, right? Those are those are contract uh, qualifiers, basically. So if I start right. doing that, then I can start building in logic. So let's let's talk about what uh, what logic I might build in. How about I build a, a piece of code that allows me to swap tokens, right? It's just code that if I put some tokens in. There's a, a pool of tokens that it, that, it, that it can draw from called a liquidity pool, and it will give me some other tokens out, right? I put in, for example, I put in dollars and get out euros in like the real world, right? Okay, right, so right. I, I, uh, I put in Chainlink and I get out Ethereum, Ether tokens, right? And that's called decentralized finance, DeFi, right? That's a code base that is executing that for you. And there's all these really cool things that they do around DeFi to incentivize you to participate, right? Because you need tokens, just like just like a bank or an, an exchange like the NASDAQ, right? Or these stock exchanges or whoever provides liquidity to the stock market. I know more about cryptocurrency than I do about the stock market, by the way. Right, right, right. Um, 
you need people to participate in these infrastructures, right? You need them to lend you their tokens so that you can swap them out and do these things, right? And so you need them, you need to put them in the protocol, which is this weird ephemeral space that the that the code is using, right? That's decentralized finance. Okay, so we talked about wh what it is. Why is it so great, right? And this is another example of a trustless environment, right? I don't have to worry about you know, Robin Hood not being not allowing me to trade something. I don't have to worry about whether the stock market is open on Monday, right? Or on Saturday or on Friday or on President's Day or on July 4th, right? I don't have to worry about any of these things. Or, I, or at two or at two or at two forty in the morning or something like that. Yeah. 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 The protocol executes and it does it with precision. And it is immutable when you ask it to do something, it does it in the exact way it was designed to. Now we have to be concerned with the, the quality of this code, right? So we do things like, you know, code review and regular code review and audits and all these things. But I mean, that's the cool part about DeFi, right? Is this decentralized mechanism. And there's this like halfway in between infrastructure that they have out there now called CeFi, centralized finance, but in the cryptocurrency world. And there are a couple of solutions out there, Celsius, blockchain, BlockFi, um, some of your exchanges, Coinbase and Kraken and yeah. Gemini, they do some of this CFI stuff too. They'll do centralized finance, right? Which is allowing you to exchange tokens. It's allowing you to earn interest, for example, like what your bank does on your on your coins. So you can do that in a centralized manner or in a decentralized manner. Now you have the option, right? Before you just put your money in a bank and that liquidity pool of money got exchanged and moved around and earned interest and did all these things with basically without your knowledge at this point. So what's it, So then that explains, I'm, you know, I'm being told, you know, uh, Ethereum 2.0 that I can stake my, my uh, ether tokens uh, into, uh, into Ethereum for a, a, like a seven and a half percent return on annual return on investment. Is that they want me to stake it because they need to have that, that in that space, that, that ephemeral space that you were talking about, uh, where they can use that to basically, th that's the part I'm not getting. So they need my coins so that they, cause they're, they're rebuilding the infrastructure of it and they need the coins to be able to do that. That that's the part that that's where I stop. That's where my three to five minutes of talking intelligently cuts off and I, and I let someone else answer it. So you said we were going to tell people no on this podcast. I'm going to tell you no, Spike. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, good, so good, good. Yeah, so that's so so that's actually a different mechanism, right? So okay. DeFi is this layer on Ethereum that does that type of stuff. Ethereum okay. staking is actually a different mechanism, but it's it's rewarding you for doing something, but not that, right? What it's okay. rewarding you for doing is participating in the Ethereum network. So where Bitcoin rewards you for mining and expending your CPU power to try and solve these problems to secure the network, right. yeah. Ethereum is moving towards rewarding you differently. It's called proof of stake. So what Bitcoin does is proof of work. You do the work and eventually if you do enough work, so I'll person. give you a Bitcoin, right? Yeah. In yeah. Ethereum, it's they're moving to proof of stake. And so what proof of stake is, is you participate in the network and then by participating and staking some of your value in the network, they might reward you, right? And so it's the same, it's the same mechanism of proof of work, but instead of just doing work over and over, you actually just hold your value with them and then randomly they select a node every so often and some of that value is awarded to that node for just participating in the in the mech, in the infrastructure so then how does how is the work done if they're not rewarding the work and they're just rewarding the having the skin in the game how is the work done very good so it's uh so the work isn't necessary right so the the stake is so the what the work does 
is it decentralizes everything. It allows right. everyone to participate. That's all it is, is it's a mechanism to allow everyone to participate and to increase the block every time you need more transactions, add ledger entries to those transactions, right? Right, 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 right. And so, this, and so the work acts as a proxy to let you participate, right? So how else could you participate? You could own Ether, right? And you could stake it in the Ethereum protocol and you could then participate in the Ethereum network instead of having to use computational mining, right? Uh, what what the Ethereum trust believes, right, is that it's a more equitable distribution of tokens because you don't have to have these huge Bitcoin mining farms. Now you can literally just hold any amount of Ethereum and and add it to the protocol to participate in that decentralized infrastructure, and then th they will reward you for that participation. And there's no work that's having to be done. So who susses out the the, the ledger and, and verifies that the transactions are correct and all that? Yeah. So you still have you still have um, like no you still have people participating in the 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 block distribution, right? Okay. And so those so so you get rewarded for participating in Ethereum with proof of stake, and you also get rewarded for um, uh, the transaction the the value of the transactions, right? Okay. So, so it's like not called proof of. Okay. Okay. So there is still a, it's not called proof of work, but there is still a, a reward for, uh, for actually building out the ledger and, 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 and making sure that the transaction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. No, I, that was the thing that, because I knew that people were saying, oh, well, these ones are much more efficient because they don't require proof of work. And I'm like, Okay, well then, who's doing the work? So, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you're generating the blocks. You're just not doing all of that that mechanism to make your the decentralization work, right? All you're doing right. is the work to make the blocks, which is very simple, right? You and the way you're participating in the decentralized network is by owning Ethereum instead of having to do all of the work. So there's a small oh, amount of work that's done okay. now. Yeah. Okay. So instead of the entire network having to participate in order to keep it decentralized, these things are being built out by those who who are are building it out. Uh, or 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 being uh, vet, vetted and, and processed, but then the decentralization is the fact that they're rewarding you for owning any to begin with. Yes, and and actively participating by staking in that protocol. Okay, all right, okay. Now that makes sense to me. So mm -hmm. that was my that was part that was thirty percent of my reason for having you on was was to explain it's, that. Difference. It's weird stuff. So. Um, so these and, and let's talk a little bit about coins versus tokens, because I, I just uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, figured found out what the difference was. Um, I thought I knew it, but now I, I, I get it. And it was explained to me in a very intuitive way, which I'm sure is how you're about to do it. What is the difference between coins and tokens? Yeah, so coins are rewards for blockchain participants. So a Bitcoin coin, an Ether coin, right? a Cardano ADA coin, those are all blockchains. They are actual chains of ledgers that are used as networks for this ledger infrastructure we were talking about. Those are coins. Okay. Okay. Tokens, tokens are, uh, they are, they are value for, let's say, smart contracts built on top of these solutions. They are layer, we call them layer two, right? So coins are layer one, they are the base layer, and tokens are layer two. Right. They are an overlay on someone else's blockchain. And so we call them in uh, in Ethereum. There are a few different variations, but the most common token is an ERC20 token. And so that token is a part as a is an Ethereum smart contract infrastructure. Right. And so you write a contract that says I'm going to mint 5000 Travis tokens. Right. And they can do different things. But the, but the minting process is just the first part. Right. 
And then those tokens live and exchange on the, the Ethereum backbone. So using a, an example that others might be, so, so the, the coin is basically the, the coin that's actually the official currency of that blockchain, basically. And then the tokens are things built on top of that, either for a specific use or a certain environment that's been created or something. So like a real world example, although I shouldn't say real world because, I mean, Bitcoin, you know, having died is now very real world. There are people that, you know, they, they, their, their fortune of Bitcoin is now down to 50, more than 50,000 times uh, what a U.S. dollar is. And, you know, rest in peace to them, thoughts and prayers. But the the uh, the the coin. Uh, it, so using a I guess real world or in real life example. Uh, so we have dollars. That's the that would be the coin. Uh, that's the money in the currency. But then, like for example, you go into a Chuck E. Cheese and you exchange it for tokens that you can use uh, in the machines, or you go and play uh, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, or some other game like that, and you're exchanging it for whatever the currency is in that. That's sort. It's not a perfect parallel or anything like that, but it's a similar, it's kind of a decent analogy for what is the coin and what is the token, right? Yeah. Or, or you buy Tesla, right? Tesla is denominated in dollars. You needed those dollars to get that, to get that Tesla stock. They, they do everything in the, oh, US the stock dollar yeah. base layer, right? They do everything in the U S dollar base layer. They buy all their commodity goods. They transact all their value in U S dollars. Right. But they're still a represented, a representation of that company. Right. And they're using the, it's not a blockchain, but they're using the financial infrastructure of the dollar or whatever that you, whatever you were using to, to buy it. Okay, cool. They're using right, the dollar well, that, transactional that, layer. Yeah. That, that, yeah, using a dollar transactional layer. Yeah. It's just, it's a crappy one that loses value over time and it's highly centralized and they print out more whenever they want to, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's similar, similar parallels there. So um, it's obvious that everything that we're talking about naturally serves and has an effect on decentralizing things, which makes sense that so many libertarians, anarchists, people that are decentralization or or the term on the left might be democratization, but it's essentially the same thing. It takes the power and responsibility out of the hands of a small handful of people who created a, a top-down system, and it decentralizes it out to literally all of us. So that obviously has a, an effect of decentralizing everything eventually away from top-down systems towards more cooperative and, and competitive decentralized ones uh, on everything. Like you said, blockchain can be applied to so many things, which as a libertarian, as someone who is an anarchist and who is more, you know, decentralized leaning, who, who is about, you know, dis dismantling and, and decentralizing power out to everyone, uh, leading to often fairer and more equitable and, 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 and freer solutions – what effect that do you think that this will have on like the existing structure? Like what effect will this have on, on government? What effect will this have on big business? How does that look to you? So I think the analog is the internet, right? The internet democratized data for everybody, right? It, before you had to go to a university, you had to have access to a library, which not everybody does in third world countries, all of these things have the time to do it. Now you can stream all this stuff to your phone. So so if you if you think about the analog to data democratization, right, and then you scale it up by like a thousand times, in my opinion, right, because right. data is important, right, but transacting value is everything. 
So that's the that's the real scary part, in my opinion, or the real cool part is. So what I think the I, what I think the net effect is is very similar to the democratization of data, right? You're going to get more participation in the infrastructure, more participation not in the cybersecurity infrastructure or the cryptographic infrastructure, but in the world infrastructure, in the world economy, right? You're going to have more value transaction from different places. You're going to have more more access to capital for people in Venezuela or Argentina or Nigeria or in other places here in the US, right? But like the the access to this infrastructure is now unlimited. Whereas before, if you were denominated in Venezuelan pesos, right? Or in Venezuelan Bolivar pesos, <laughs> or in Venezuelan Bolivar or in Bolivar. Um, Lira or something like that in Lebanon, yeah. right? This is this there would be scary stuff, and now you don't know how to get paid because when the dollars come into your country, they are forty percent scalped by the Lebanese government because they they are trying to keep the peg appropriate and all these things. So it's going to democratize yep. all of this value, in my opinion. So you know, this is a, a subject that because uh, you know I, I say to people pretty similar to how you've said it, this is the internetization of all things at largely at once. It's not like it's going to happen immediately, but this opens up everything to being decentralized, whether anyone likes it or not, because that's just naturally how things are going to go using these systems, which are exponentially more efficient. For those who know me, they know that I am a stickler about the use of use of the term exponentially. It doesn't just mean multiply so. It means that there are actual, you are, can add or remove zeros by, by a matter of actual exponents. This is exponentially more efficient and, and therefore desirable than any other system. So it, it will, in the same way that the internet has easily replaced, uh, you know, uh, uh, telegraphs, and 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 fax machines and um you know snail mail where those things are really just you know novelties that we use right now if you write a letter to someone it's to show them how important they are to you it's not because that's how you actually have to reach someone uh you know it's 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 it the the our telephones are largely increasingly just the internet but with voice um it has completely the but that was just the way that we interact with each other this is everything. So when, for example, I'll say to someone, you know, this is like the internet internetization of everything. They go, oh, great. So everything's going to be in, in control of big tech. And it's like, actually, no, because we are still far more decentralized in the way that we communicate and receive information than we were prior to it. It did centralize together and has been centralizing together somewhat in social media by a handful of tech companies because of the fact that everything else is still centralized. This decentralizes all that stuff too. So now a bunch of people working together on one of these blockchain systems can create a Facebook or something similar to it far more easily than a centralized company with a top-down hierarchical corporate infrastructure, which was really only created for tax purposes and legal purposes, they can create something that actually is more efficient and was created for that effectiveness and efficiency. That'll be far better than Facebook. That'll be far better, which is why I'm less worried about big tech right now, because the nature of of of, of the very the very nature of blockchain is 
the total decentralization of all things uh, with really. And then as the power industry becomes more and more decentralized with things like and now I'm going off into a total, total tangent with things like micro reactors, you know, with thorium. I'm going way into a whole thing. But as life and society gets more and more decentralized, the justification or reason for existence of these major systems that you know, give us the scraps of what they determine that we're allowed to have. And I'm even talking about governments here. Not only do they not become prime anymore, not only are they not in control anymore, there's no real argument for them to exist anymore. I don't know if you consider yourself an anarchist or not, but is there in the midst of this, what will even be the argument for continued centralization of anything or will there be? Yeah, it really makes you think a lot about you know, what money means to you and these types of things. I, right. I, it's, it's, it's really, it's almost scary, right? You come for, uh, everybody says you come for the price appreciation and you stay for all the other stuff, right? You're like, oh, look at Bitcoin price go up, all this stuff, just over time, most appreciating asset of all time, asset class of all time in the last 12 years, right? But when you start thinking about how your money works, right? How your government interacts with your money, how you interact with your money and your government, and that it's really just a store of value of your time. Elon Musk said this great in like an interview. He's like, money is just a proxy for the value and time that you that you accrue, right? Right. Um, it's a store of value. It's a store of value yeah. that you can then use uh, for 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 some other thing that you find more valuable than what you're exchanging it for. I wanted to go back to that swallowing stuff, right? My favorite analog to this, where people people really have a hard time understanding like how technology swallows things, right? We just see the internet, some 1990s boom, and then all of a sudden, boom, here we are, right? Streaming video right. over the internet to everybody all at to once everyone. on 80 million platforms, yeah. right? Yes, right. And everyone just thinks it's normal. But From my guest you, room. Yeah. If you go back and you look at what the internet did, right? The internet ran over the phones, the phone infrastructure, those people controlled the access to the internet at one point. You're the, the phone companies, AT&T, right? And now what happens? We're running over the internet. The phones, the communication runs over the internet. The internet swallowed all that stuff. The internet said, oh, you think you do communication well? Well, we do it better. We can stream it live to anybody. We can we can democratize access. We can restrict access if we don't want people in this room here with us. We can do whatever we want to do. We can overlay music and video and my title and whatever else, right? Yeah. Okay, so... so Bitcoin being dead. <laughs> the internet swallowed the phones. Yeah, well, what happens when the cryptocurrency, the store of value, swallows your store of value? The dollar, the banks the infrastructure to transact uh, internationally, SEPA and ACH, and the clearing is instant and the value transfer is undeniable and immutable. What happens when all these things start start to really b- get built out, right? And the early adopters are going to be rewarded for that, just like they were in, in the internet and just like they, you're seeing now with Bitcoin being dead and being rewarded. Being, rewar- being rewarded for its death, the, the, the phoenix <laughs> rising from the ashes. No, it's like, you, and I love that, that example you know, the internet used to be used. I, I, I'm old. I, how out of curiosity, how old are you? I'm 33. Okay, so you, okay, so I'm a few years old. You do you remember the age of having to use dial-up internet? Oh yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I was yeah, I was like you know when I was 13, 14, I'm having to use the internet, and it 
you were having to use, which is why it was so restricted, because it was basically what your what your phone provider could 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 give you however many kilobytes per second or whatever, which is just hilarious now because we're using like a base of five thousand kilobytes a second just to stream this. Uh, not to mention everything else happening above it. But this is. The reason we even are still using the phone is because the idea of calling someone and speaking with them is still useful. Centralized systems of finance are not useful when they're replaced with something that, you know, so it's not, I, I don't know that the dollar will necessarily be run over blockchain as much as it just won't, there won't be a need for it anymore. If there's, if there's a, a store of value that is exponentially more efficient and faster and more trustworthy and less prone to abuse and can't be printed out endlessly by a government uh to to deride your to to diminish the value of what you're holding there's is there even a reason for that to exist anymore yeah i i don't know i'm a i i i I struggle with that question now right uh, way right. more than I did 36 months ago, which is the weird thing. Why Why yeah. would did we not think about this until it became a mainstream idea that we could decentralize this value infrastructure, right? It's, yeah. it's weird too, because the, our understanding of how technology evolves is really, is really muted. It's very difficult to see the future, for example, right? And people get rewarded for that. Your Elon Musk's, your Jeff Bezos's, your, you know, they, they get rewarded for seeing those things. To like seek the, the pattern and see how it's going to work in the future. Yeah, yeah. They see it coming. And, and Bezos, for all his insight, was way too early, right? Amazon's price yes. depreciated by like 95%, right? Yep. He saw it and we didn't have the technology to build what he wanted. To wasn't ready right? yet exactly he's like yeah. We're, yeah. we're gonna do it we'll be there right and that's where we are now right i i'm over here ranting like a maniac on a, on a live stream about how we're gonna swallow everything and how i'm gonna pay a developer in nigeria the exact same value and i'm gonna pay him on every hour that he works every hour that he does because that's how easy this value transaction is yep. and everyone's going that doesn't even compute right exactly and, yep. and eventually you're going to see this jack mauler the guy who is developing a layer two solution on bitcoin was paying one of his developers every second he he showed this on a live stream tweet he was like look and he set up a he set up a, a code base that would do that it would stream uh-huh. bitcoin to him every second he said here you go this is all the value you have to me and i'm going to give it to you every second i'm going to give you an increment of that of your salary and so now you have it there's no transaction every two weeks why not if the if the transactional cost is zero then why can't i just give it to you every second every 5 minutes every hour who cares and what happens when you're using AI and you're paying someone's AI system in, in nanosecond? Like it's it's incredible what's going to happen. So anyway, before before we're very wide eyed and going down a rabbit hole here, but I think we've touched on the basics here that everything's going to change and it's going to be amazing. If you find yourself having very little power in this system that we have right now, the less power you have, in my mind, and and you can tell me if you disagree, in my mind, you're going to be happy. You should be happier than those who have a lot of power and wealth built into the system who suddenly will have no real reason to exist. But anyway, uh, all all that aside, there, there are many questions that I can sum up into two questions here. Number one, what do you think about Dogecoin? Like what do like? I think it's a meme, but yet I'm still going to buy a hundred bucks worth because just in case it be, replaces the entire world financial system, I want to get in. What What do you think of Dogecoin specifically? Okay, so so I believe uh, everybody when they say Dogecoin is a meme coin, right? It has right. no inherent value, but it is very interesting in the fact that it is representative of sentiment, right? 
And right. so uh, personally, I don't hold any Dogecoin. And when people bring it up with me, I laugh, right? Because uh, all of the things that I'm interested in uh, have inherent value, right? They generate value and they do things, right? Bitcoin. Right. Ethereum, some of these other, there are a couple other tokens that I'm very, very interested in. They have inherent value and the use case for that token is clear too, right? They call it tokenomics. What does this thing do? Why do I need a token? You ask why we need dollars, right? Well, why do I need a token too, right? So if it doesn't have a use case for me, it's not really in my, you know, if you want my honest opinion, it doesn't have a ton of value to me. Um, But I, I love that it's a gauge of sentiment that I do find absolutely fascinating. It is definitely a gauge of sentiment. And it is definitely I'm getting a hundred I'm getting a hundred bucks worth because if the worst case scenario I lose a hundred bucks best case scenario I I gain a hundred bucks well actually no damage. best case scenarios so I get I get a hundred I get I get I become a millionaire I, I I just think the whole thing is hilarious you know I shared how the the people on Reddit actually made sure that it traded so that the candlestick of it traced the actual ears of the doge like i mean it's a meme like it's it's literally it's a meme. <laughs> they're having fun with it and it's a meme it is what it is anyway uh uh but i i'm gonna i, and I you know I, people at people are now saying you should buy these other coins instead folks i i used to have crypto i lost all of it in a very tragic computing accident and it's very very sad i don't have any crypto anymore um so uh uh um I've confused my guests with my boating uh, accident reference. Um, but anyway, uh, the other question is, you know, uh, Steve South asked a few, in a, in a few other people asked as well, you know, what happens if governments say all crypto is banned except for ours and you have to use ours? It's kind of too late for them to stop it, isn't it? Or, or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. Again, in my opinion, right? And there's two yeah. there's two real real bare cases for Bitcoin, right? One is governmental intervention, right? And so let's well, you take the use case, right? So Nigeria is trying to ban Bitcoin, right? And what have they seen? An uptick in peer-to-peer Bitcoin transactions. Right. I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? It's clear at that point, right, that government and regulators don't understand what the fundamentals of Bitcoin are. Right. Right. Also try and confiscate their Bitcoin. Right. They've tried to do this with criminals and these types of things. It's happened over the last couple of months. Specific. There have been specific examples where they're like, I don't know. I don't have my private key. Forgot it. Not giving it to you. What are you going to do? Sorry. Yeah. The the second case is and uh, I've heard this from a few uh, a few friends and pundits. Right. Is uh, what happens if the Internet goes away. Right. So, well, what happens if I can't? And it's like, if the internet goes away, we've got way more problems than you not being able to get your Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. If the internet, so basically the only way the internet is going away is if the electrical grid is going away long term. I don't just mean, yeah, I don't mean just, you know, a short, and by the way, you know, uh, my greatest prayers and 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 thoughts seriously to the people in texas and oklahoma i i've been here in myrtle beach where we've lost where we've lost power and had you know tons of snow for a few days it's not fun you know guys stay strong and, and stay safe and and if you're i mean i i love that you're on here but if you're using what little you know power you have on your phone to watch this maybe well and i don't want to tell you not to watch but you know i but but you know long term you know we we don't have an internet anymore because we have lost everything Dollars are worthless. 
uh, you know, in that case, Euro are worthless, whatever your, your mutual funds are worthless, your car is worthless, like after a certain point, because once it goes down, then no one's going to be able to fix it. And you know, your, uh, you know, you should, I'm not even sure you should be buying silver and gold. You should probably be buying like bullets and food. Like, you know, that, that if, if, if we're going in that direction, it's going to be like a, a, like a, a mad, it's not even Mad Max. I mean, it, it would be like, you know, going back to the Stone Age inside of a generation because most of us don't know how to live that way. So it would be a mass culling of the vast majority of us uh, that, you know, can't live off off the earth. And, uh, and you know, it, it, Bitcoin is going to be the least of our troubles, put it that like you're, everything you have is worthless except for your guns, your bullets and and any any uh, non-perishable food items you have. Pretty, pretty much. My, my cybersecurity job's going to be null and void. Yes, you will have to find a new job. And you won't have yeah. a monster.com to go to to try to find <laughs> your next job. You'll be screwed in every way, in every major way. Also, good luck getting food. But uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think, I think it's, it is far too late for governments to try to stop this. And in fact, if they try to stop it, it's just going to push people into it even more. It's sort of like when you say to someone, hey... It's either me or him, and it turns out they like him even more, and so now it just marginalizes me. I lose my friend in it, in it as an example. So um, now there are some current limitations uh, to the blockchain and to crypto, uh, such as the number of transactions that can be carried out every second, uh, network usage fees that are that are built in, although they're much less than the usage fees of uh, competing centralized systems, but they are there. Um, the fact that you have to fiat uh, on there, you have to use a fiat on ramp, at least for now, uh, which are basically the exchanges that we use to exchange fiat currency for crypto. Talk to us about these types of limitations, what they are, and what things that are being done to to innovate past these these limitations. Yeah, so from a technology standpoint, people really harp on uh, the transactions per second of the Bitcoin network. And so when the Bitcoin network gets congested, especially in really high volatility times, like we're seeing now with like exponential price increases and things like this, what you see is the Bitcoin network does get congested. And the, the time yep. it takes for you to transact that value goes from minutes to 15 minutes to one hour to two hours in some cases in like the 2017 bull run. And that is, yep. you know, to, to, to a technology that hangs its hat on being immutable and quick, Right. That's a, a scary component. And so there are, you know, Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin funds out there that are that are contributing to the open source development are working on these things. They're working on some layer two scaling solutions like Lightning Network. It is being built out. And again, you pointed this out. Right. If uh, if an, if you know, the disadvantage is a 15 minute transaction is, is what you're complaining about. Then the centralized <laughs> banking system clearing in three weeks should be uh, appalling to you. Right. The second one. Well, and I I was just going to say, and just in the same way as your banks will often cover that while it's being cleared, there are systems being created that will cover these things for that 15 minutes that it's being cleared, which is sort of like what the Lightning Network is, right? Like it's sort of pre-clearing it before the actual clearing happens. Man, I need to do more research on the Lightning Network. Uh, okay, I, okay, okay. That's I have, good. Uh, it's it's a really interesting technology, and I know it's a really slick layer two scaling technology. But I haven't done a tech deep dive. Um, I yeah, it's it's really interesting. Okay, no, that's um, fair. That's fair. But but the second so, point like, is uh, the network yeah. fees. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. network yeah. fees are a huge problem, though. Actually, in my opinion, probably the biggest attractor to the Ethereum network is uh, the network fees. And that's what Ethereum 2.0 is in part trying to solve. They went to proof of they're going to proof of stake um, to, to solve some of the central centrality, I suppose, of Ethereum mining. Um, and it doesn't do as good a job at you know, working off the network fees. But I mean, the, the Ethereum transaction fees are astronomical right now. And they really are a barrier to entry for um, the little guy, which is a weird thing to say in, in you know, blockchain and decentralized infrastructures. I mean, you could have transaction fees for any, for any type of transaction, small or large, uh, up to, you know, 50, 60, $100 on the, on the Ethereum network right now. So let's say you wanted to exchange your is that, Ethereum. Is that, for- is that a, is that a base fee or or a percentage of the of the amount? So it's it's a, it's a combination of both. Yeah. So okay. as you try to transact as you transact more coins, then the then the mechanism of transaction increases. So you do have a, a larger fee for lar- for slightly larger transactions. But realistically, there's kind of some minimum threshold that's that gets to that is large, and then it's a little bit more on top of that. So. Okay. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to buy, you know, uh, if you have some Ether, for example, and you're trying to get, you know, one of these tokens, a Celsius or a Chainlink, uh, these are just two ERC-20s I have off the top of my head. If you're trying to get some of those projects, you know, and you want to buy $100 worth like of your Dogecoin, you know, um, it's going to cost you uh, like right now when everything is, you know, the opposite of dying, right? It's, uh, you know, and and people want to be on the network, right? It's going to be really expensive. And, and and that's and that's a real that's a real issue. And you see, you actually see the technologies, the open market, right, driving adoption in other technologies, right? What right. has happened to some of these other, you know, high transaction per second, low fee networks? Cardano comes to mind as an example of a a, yeah. a a low transaction fee, very high transactions per second, extremely robust technology. And what has happened to the Cardano price over the last, you know, ninety days or or six months or so? Is it's you know twenty x because people are adopting the network and especially in, you know, smaller, um, you know, smaller countries and places where microtransactions are even more important. Right. Cardano right. Just, just signed this agreement with, you know, like a, an African consortium and s- because of this exact reason. So, you know, th- this is another great example of the open market really driving technology adoption, which is even better. Right. It allows you to iterate quickly and and efficiently to a solution. Because you're not waiting for policy to catch up. You're not waiting for a bunch of if we're trying to use, you know, like a technological comparison, the way that society at large works right now is that people are doing things that comply with what government has told them to do outside of black and gray markets. That's, you know, the the majority of things that are happening in order for something to become policy. Government has to approve it. Well, in order for government to approve it, a bunch of politicians who often have no idea what they're even talking about have to get the input of the experts, which are usually cherry picked from various think tanks, uh, as well as then speaking to their put people that actually put them in office, the cronies who, who gave them the millions of dollars uh, in exchange for the trillions of dollars that they get. They put them in office. They have to hear from them. Then they do a few town halls with voters who often have no idea what they're talking about on the subject. And then they come and say, here is what we are going to do. This process can take anywhere from several weeks to essentially forever. It could take decades. I mean, look at marijuana legalization. We, you know, The public overwhelmingly has supported that for well over a decade now. Uh, and it's, it, it could take another decade for it to happen. 
Whereas if you've completely decentralized everything, now now I'm doing uh, this is I'm blackpilling everyone into anarchy right now. Uh, that when you when you de when you remove all of that, all of that imposed hierarchy and centralization, and when now the monetary policy isn't being decided by a handful of central bankers and and appointed think tank policy experts who then are have to convince politicians who are competing with each other on on political posturing to make a decision when now it is just people who who have a stake in fixing this specific issue like you said the the microtransactions and microfinancing in places like uh you know uh sub-saharan africa uh very poor, impoverished parts of latin america uh impoverished parts of east asia impoverished parts of the united states for that matter um People can just provide that solution and they don't have to wait for approval. They just make it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, someone else can make something even better. In fact, it's not just them making it. It's a bunch of other people making their competing versions too and their cooperating versions as well. And it fixes problems that we don't even necessarily have to know even exist because it's already been dealt with by the people that are directly involved in that and the providers who sought to help them. So it's, it's, it is an incredible, incredible thing to me. Um, and the reality is like network fees... There's anywhere from three to five percent network fee right now to use our existing system, and and for many of these, it is market like Cardano. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's not even a nuisance fee. It's a you don't even feel that the, the amount that's being taken out of it for the transaction. So that's in, that's incredible. The fiat on ramp that pretty much gets dealt with once people aren't using fiat anymore, right? Yeah, the fiat on ramp is 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 the problem that I don't have a solution to, right? Not right now, anyways, right? Um, that's the real issue with you know policymakers and things like this. Is that's that's the thing that you can affect, right? Is you can affect how people get their cash into this system. Now, the, right. the only thing that it doesn't do is it doesn't you know prevent you from going peer to peer, right? Um, there are a bunch of other ways to get into this system too. There's like Bitcoin ATMs. Google, go to Google Maps and Google Bitcoin ATMs. I guarantee you, you'll be shocked at how many Bitcoin ATMs are anywhere near you at any given time. And yeah. the, the first sign to me of Bitcoin mainstream adoption, honestly. And I told my wife and she, even she was like, she, I have, she's been blue pilled on Bitcoin for longer than uh, a lot of us, but <laughs> even she, even she was shocked to hear that, you know, CVSs and all of these major uh, Walgreens uh, were putting Bitcoin ATMs in all of their stores yeah. by the end of 2021. I think that news came out early last year as they were like, yeah. yep, we're doing it. I was like, she was like, what? They're just going to put Bitcoin ATMs and you can buy Bitcoin or get cash out from Bitcoin and a, a select few other cryptocurrencies just from an ATM at a Walgreens. Yep, sure can. Only limitation, obviously, is whatever the fees are, which probably are the, probably not the best for fees. But I bet it's comparable to uh, cash ATMs and I bet it's comparable to using a credit card or a debit card. That This is where it gets really, really interesting, folks, because if the only real limitation left is fiat, then that means fiat's the problem. <laughs> it's it's if changing the, only... the way you think about everything, though, right? Yeah. Like uh, people have asked me, uh, we, you know, some of these um, interest-producing centralized and decentralized finance solutions, right? Your Aves, your Celsius, your BlockFi. You know, a lot of people when when I start talking about Bitcoin and some of the other things, like, yeah, but what about this stuff? How do they make? How do they pay you seven percent interest for just putting your coins there, right? Or putting your value there, whatever it is. How do they do that? Yeah. You're like, well, how does a bank make money? How does a bank take your take your dollars and make and make money on it? They're like, well, 
And they're, and I was like, and, and not only that, but do they pay you any money for it? You know, because they used to, right? In the 60s and 70s, you used to make 2 or 3% on that value because yep. the banks knew that you knew and the banks knew it had intrinsic value. They could take your money and loan it out for higher value. And they said, we'll give you some value for it. And they just stopped, right? The centralization of this infrastructure just stopped working for people. And then when you start making it work for people again, everyone goes, whoa, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is yeah. what my value should be making for me because it's my value. And if people are using it to loan out or to you know, make markets with, then I should be getting a, a, a compensation for the value that I am placing in that market, then I should. Right. And now you see infrastructures that are rewarding you for that. And people are gravitating towards them. Once you understand a lot of the infrastructure, at least. Right. There are some nuance here. But once you understand some of the stuff, you go, wait, why is why isn't my life like this already? The fact whatever, however much wealth you have in a bank right now is being leveraged to make money for other people. And you might be getting 0.2 percent back for that. Maybe. When and your money is losing way more value during that time. So by having your money sit there instead of in like a stock or something else where it hopefully gains a little bit more, uh, you're 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 guaranteeing a slow death of the value of your money. Whereas in in a blockchain environment, not only does the crypto money, the currency, whatever you want to call it, your coins or even tokens that you're using, not only do they gain it or at least retain their value in, intrinsically because of more and more money entering this more and more value entering this this sector but you also could potentially gain in terms of the the amount of that thing that you have because other people would love for you to stake it with them so they can use it and grow it and give you some of it too it's 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 and because it's not a centralized system anymore and because there's so many different competing systems there's a vest they have a vested interest i say this all the time get government out of money and give it to the free market and or have the free market pry it from government by being so much better which is really what's happening right now and eventually, instead of get, having a monopoly decide what your money's worth, which means they can play with it however they want to, they it's now being decided by people who know you don't have to use them. You can use someone else. You don't have to use Ethereum. Ethereum will have to fix this problem with the transaction fees because if they don't, they'll lose business to other emerging uh, uh, or, or even existing competitors like Cardano or even like Bitcoin. Uh, so they will have to fix that. We we don't have to wait for a government to force them to fix this unfair thing for Mike. They'll have to, or else they're going to lose out on that entire market. Or they'll decide, you know what? We don't care about that market. You guys can provide that market. We're going to be the big transaction market providers. Okay, that's their decision to make. But as long as there is a need, uh, it will uh, it, it will be be provided. Um, someone uh, I saw it before in the comments. Uh, we've had quite a few. Uh, someone was talking about. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, what if government tries to, you know, quote unquote, take this over, there is really no taking this over. That's that's the beauty of the blockchain is that it is so decentralized that you there's no take as long as a as long as I can have a version of a hard wallet on a device, you can't take it over there. There is no way to take it over. Can, can you just briefly talk about why no organization can take over the blockchain or a blockchain? Yeah, so let's let's start with if they could have taken it over, they would have already, right? Yes. And so that's the first the first thing. And that doesn't prove anything, but it's a really great starting point, right? And think about something else that that tried to decentralize, you know, infrastructures and didn't do it correctly, like a Napster, right? 
that was shut down and, and effectively stopped by government and entities, right? Because what did yeah. they do? They had centralized servers distributing this infrastructure, uh, or you know, they had groups of people that were acting as centralized servers and they shut these things down. Another example would be, yep. oh, yeah, another no, I said, be, yeah, no, I said, yes, I said, I'm agreeing with you. Go ahead. Another great example would be, you know, uh, video game currencies. There have been examples uh, over time where video game currencies started being used as a, a pseudo value exchange, right? And government stepped in and said, whoa, 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 you're not doing this, right? Because what did they have? They had servers that were acting as ledgers to distribute right. this value, right? And so the so government stepped in and in the, in the European Union, in the, in the United States. And they said, nope, those are ours. Same thing with like email servers and stuff like this. If they don't like what you have, they confiscate these things. Okay, confiscate Bitcoin servers. They don't exist. There are no servers anywhere. It's a decentralized ledger. There is nothing to confiscate, right? Then you said, okay, well, what if they shut down mining? Okay, if you shut down mining in the United States, you've effectively shut yourself off from the largest transactional, one of the largest transactional networks on the planet, right? What you're going to do is set yourself back. The, the two countries that come to mind that could do this, that it would be really tough to like wrap your head around would be the US and China, right? right. But even then, right. what they're doing is they're stifling their own growth. And the competing yeah. forces between the US and China would say, well, I'm not going to stifle my growth if they're not going to stifle their own their own technological growth in this space. So there you go. We've already we've just disproven the entire thing and even gone out to the nth degree that one of the two competing superpowers decides to do it and they wouldn't do it either. So you there's just, just there's just no way. You disproved it from the beginning. If they were going to do it, they if they could do it, it would have already happened long back when it would have, would have been way easier to do. It ain't happening. It's not. It's not happening. And what's interesting is the reason they didn't do it earlier was because it wasn't worth enough for them to do. Now that it is, it's too late. It's that. That's the beauty of blockchain. The reason it can't be defrauded or taken over is because when it's easy enough to do, it's not worth it. What? It's, it's a dollar. I'm going to get a dollar for all this effort to do. No. You know, back when, you know, what was it, 10,000 uh, 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 10, Bitcoin were traded for a pizza or whatever? What was the point of taking the block? It's, it's worth nothing. It's worth 50 bucks or whatever. Now it's worth it. And it's like, well, now we can't. It's too big and too involved to do it. It's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible technology. So I, the, the last thing I want to talk about, you are, you know, your background and you are a cybersecurity expert. Now, there are some, a lot of security and privacy implications to all of this. We are talking about moving into a completely new way of everything. I, I don't think I can un overstate. And I know people are thinking, yeah, yeah, money, whatever. Everything, insurance, arbitration, physical infrastructure, communication, travel. Supply chain. Supply chain. Every single thing that it takes to have a functional society and things that we don't even know, things that we don't even talk about yet because there hasn't been the technology to be able to do it. All the things that we do now, as well as things that don't even exist yet, will be able, will be done through this. It, this changes everything. How do we move into this completely new restructurization of society while still protecting individual privacy and security? Yeah, so security is my my major focus and the thing that I think I you know we can talk about to secure the most, right? Privacy is a little bit more ephemeral because, you know, you see that some of these privacy coins are being, you know, ostracized and even some of the privacy solutions like washing coins and things like this are are difficult to do and and uh, you know, are oftentimes associated with 
you know, at least governmentally associated with like malicious intent and stuff like that. So I'll right, leave privacy right, right. for a second and we'll come back okay, to it. Okay, security okay. Is, security is really important, right? Because if we don't get this right, then it's going to be a huge detractor for the majority of Bitcoin or this infrastructure's life, right? And the classic example is, you know, a lot of people who have seen a debate or something like this have heard of mount gox right mtg yes which was a yes. giant yeah. cryptocurrency exchange hack right and so if you don't get these things right then you have these type of events and it detracts from your main purpose which is to democratize this stuff right and mount gox for example example right stands for magic the gathering online exchange right these guys weren't trying to build a cryptocurrency exchange at the time they were trying to trade magic cards right and so like it makes sense that it didn't work that it didn't really pan out for them you know I, mean? I didn't know but, that i didn't i didn't know that that's... so so that's the 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 centralized part <laughs> That's a centralized part, right? Which is which right. we have to get right, and and they are doing that well, I think, with you know the Wink of Austrians and Gemini and some of these on fiat on ramps and and the code review for the DeFi and these types of things. So that's on the technologists, and I think okay. that you know that that is being addressed, and I think I think that the technologists have an understanding of the fact that you know if we don't get this right, at least somewhat to the start, there's going to be a problem. The second part is the general public, right? And so the second part is, is how do you secure your stuff and what does security right. mean for you from a value perspective? Right. And so how, you know, how you secure your actual value now, right. Is you have some actual money in a wallet, right. You have some money in a bank, right. And you have some money in a savings account and a lockbox. that's even harder to get to. Right. So you right. actually do have tiers of security. Now people don't think of it again, because we're ingrained in this society. And so when people ask me about things like, wallets like what is a bitcoin wallet you know what is this bitcoin wallet i have online and why is it called a hot wallet you're like it's a hot wallet it's just like your wallet that you carry with you right it's much right. easier to steal your dollars when you carry it with you everywhere and you're out in public with it right than it would be if you kept those dollars in a safe in your basement somewhere right and so we have to understand security we we have to understand this from uh, you know an individual perspective, because if you're going to democratize this to everybody, then everybody has to know it to some extent, right? And so there's a couple of terms here. There's hot wallets and cold wallets. And so hot wallets are those that sit online connected to the internet. Those are like your actual physical wallets you carry with you. You should keep enough value in there that if you lost all of that value, it wouldn't it wouldn't end your life. Now there are right, sometimes right, when right. you keep a lot of money in your wallet, right? Sometimes you walk around with four thousand dollars to buy a jet ski, right? So sometimes you do keep a lot of money on you, and it makes you uncomfortable, perhaps, unless you're Bill Gates and you don't care about all that money and you have. But anyway, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> uh, but in general, right, you don't want to keep all of that money on you at all times. And so what you do is you keep them in cold storage wallets, right? Those are wallets that are offline, that are hardware wallets. Where's uh, I have an example here. I've got I have a couple actually. Like I've got uh, I've got this bad boy right here, uh, this bad boy right here. So these are hardware wallets, right? They're not connected to anything, and they hold private keys that hold value, right? And so these are th these are cryptographic solutions, right? That are built into the hardware that hold on to the keys that secure that value that goes back to that public private key infrastructure. So the public key to these is known to everybody. You can go look up the Ethereum public key that's associated with this and see how much value is on this thing from an Ethereum right. perspective. Right. right. Um, but the private key is held right here. And literally you could not get the value from this, this pub, the public ledger. You couldn't change, send it anywhere without this key that's connected to nothing. Right. 
And so that's known as a, a cold storage wallet, right? And these are other, this is a more secure way to store your Bitcoin. There's one other thing that you probably want to know about, and that's called multi-sig or multi-signature, right? And so that's uh, the same way as if you were to access a trust or something like this for a miner or for, it doesn't have to be a miner in this case, but the, the, the good example is, right, two people need to sign off on that person getting that value, right? And so it's a very similar process to that where you have to have multiple private keys sign the transaction, right? So one would be a hot wallet, one would be your cold wallet, and one would be stored with a custodian, right? My class, the classic example that comes up to me is Casa Hodel is a, is a company that does this. They do multi-sig, usually for higher okay. value stuff, right? And so cool. it's, so, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just so saying a, that's cool. So it's a, you know, and, and then you say, okay, well, Travis, this sounds, you know, technologically complex and it's kind of, you know, it's annoying to learn this new stuff, right? And what, what's happening is, right, we are simplifying the process and trying to streamline the security while giving you that ease of functionality, right? And so you have these hot wallets that are easier to use, right? Your Coinbase hot wallet, your Coinbase wallet, which is different than the exchange. People don't know this, but Coinbase is an exchange where you can trade coins and stuff. They have a wallet that is a phone app that you can hold tokens on and you can hold Bitcoin on and you can send it to someone if you want it to, right? Those are two different things. And so uh, uh, Cash App has one of these, a hot wallet, right? That has a public address. You can send to it and you can send from it. And so we are we are streamlining this process. We did this with the internet, right? We, at first, everything was sent in clear text with HTTP. And if you saw the transmission, you could see what was happening. This is why we couldn't send credit cards, why they told you not to put any private information on the internet anymore at all, right? And then they streamlined that security process and made it better and easier. And now you can click a button on Amazon and get the product to your house and have the value pulled out of your bank account, right? Give, give the technologists some time and this will be the standard. It will be easy for you. If you want to do it ahead of time and gain an early mover advantage and an understanding as this is being developed, then, then participate in the infrastructure, right? Go on and make yourself a Coinbase account or whatever it is you want to do. Buy a piece of digital art, right? With Ethereum and have have your own one-off NFT, a non-fungible token, right? Do something in the space when it's you know when it's not a ubiquitously adopted technology yet. It's incredible, and 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 like you said, the it's already arguably more secure than the current system that we have in place, which is why they have FDIC because defrauding happens all the time. Robbery, robbing banks happens all the time. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Counterfeiting? Are you kidding me? That, uh, uh, there was something I read, I forget the, the number, but like double digit num percentages of $20 bills are ex that are in circulation right now are expected to be fraudulent. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's beyond any, any kind of, of, of level of, of, of uh, hacking or, or defrauding or anything like that we've seen in crypto. And almost all of that that's happened has been in those centralized exchanges that, like you said, I didn't know it was Magic the Gathering, but they literally created it for something else. It then grew into this other thing. They didn't have anywhere near the security in place that they needed to. And so they got exposed and hacked, but that was on that centralized system. As the technology grows, and I love that you use the internet as an example, a lot of people don't remember in their mid-90s, they were like, do not put your credit card on this thing. There is no real way to protect it. 
but then all the uh, in encryption stuff came out. We're up to what 256 bit encryption now. Um, you know, it, it, that's and and I'm sure we'll be at 512 and and, and t probably already are at this point. You know, uh, that's happening in 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 this space as well. So it will get safer and safer and more and more secure. The comparison I like to use, and this is a whole other rabbit hole, is um, hearing aids. And this isn't about security; it's about improvement. When hearing aids first came out. You only use them in the worst case scenarios because they didn't sound good. They often were, you know, they were like uh, popping and clicking sounds that they made and things like that. And it was really like if you were, if it was, if it was either this or be deaf, use this, but it's not going to be a pleasant experience. Hearing aids are now where uh, they're actually more sensitive than your current hearing. They actually work better than your hearing. And in a few more years, more and more people will wear things that are very small and like hearing aids so that they can have superhuman hearing. Uh, and that's going to happen. You know, they're just beginning the process of replacing the eyes for people that are blind. And right now they can see like very weak shapes and, 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 and lights and stuff like that. That will eventually reach a point where people will choose to have a little thing right here so they can see behind themselves and see in infrared and everything else. As the technology improves, it actually replaces and is, in, is better than and, and, and immeasurably better than what's already in place. Um, and so, yeah, I only expect that to get to get better. I also think privacy is something that now some people want to have personal privacy of like their personal affairs and things like that. But privacy, when it comes to money, often is more about protection. It's a secondary security thing. If you don't know I have the money, then you can't take it. But if we have a blockchain that is so secure that I can be like, hey, listen, I got all I have a bazillion trillion Bitcoin and there's nothing you can do to take it from me, then now it doesn't the privacy becomes a lesser concern, right? Like if it if it's so secure that it doesn't matter that you know I have it, then ultimately the privacy becomes a lesser concern if the security's better, right? Yep, it does. Uh, you know, there's always the old wrench attack, right? Where you hit, hit over the head with a wrench. But <laughs> other than that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the one That's the one thing, right? Yeah, well, you, you pointed out though, right? If you don't know I have it, we call this security through obscurity, right? And it's right, really not right. a security tenant. It's not a security tenant in the cybersecurity space. It's not a security tenant in the monetary space, right? You'd much rather have a an immensely secure infrastructure to hold on to your value and everyone know that you had the value than a, a very weakly security secured infrastructure and hope that people didn't know you had that value, right? Right, exactly. Someone mentioned in here that, you know, even if government can't take something over, they can try to. And that's absolutely, uh, that's absolutely the case. Um, in the case of crypto and blockchain, I still say that this is, it's the equivalent of me. If I say, so like you were on my friend, uh, Derek, uh, Derek show on Derek Britton show, I may say to you, I don't like that you're on Derek's show. You have to choose right now. Either you go on Derek's show or you go on my show from now on. You can either be my friend or his friend, and you can't do it. You might choose him. What if you like him better? Hypothetically, what if you like him better and you want to be on his show? I just alienated myself. If I say to you, you're not allowed to do that. You can't go on Derek's show, and you go, I'm going to go on it anyway. Then you do, and I can't possibly control your life enough to keep you from talking to Derek, applying this to government, if these systems are better than anything government can do, and we're largely continuing to cooperate with government because it's it's just easier for us to, to cooperate with government than not to, but then they cut us off from something that is way better than them, 
a large, maybe not all of us, but a large number of people are going to be like, okay, I'll just take my chances with them and, and just not participate in you at all and just completely opt out. And if they speed along that process, uh, Derek says in the comments, of course, Travis likes me more. We'll find out right now. No. Um, uh, go, go, go ahead. Sorry, Travis. You do have more followers. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, but, don't uh, do I, no. <laughs> I've known him. I've known Derek him is an like... amazing guy. Listen, you should choose Derek. He's a much better guy than I. I have more followers. Since I was three years been... old, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm just going to go to you immediately. That's, that's how I was going to say, my show. My show's been around three years. His has been around for like 12 seconds and he's already got to go. You may not want to bet on, on me having more followers because he's, I think he has the better growth pattern, but go, but go ahead. The, uh, the analog I like is if, if you're scared of the government taking your, your Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, right? It's much harder for them to take that than it is for them to take your house. So if you're, if you're concerned about them taking your Bitcoin, you should probably be concerned about the government coming and taking some other asset of yours. Your, your money, easily. all your money. Yeah. Yeah, your money is even yeah, yeah. right. I mean, you're, that's the thing, right? And we see this over and over in societies that don't understand how uh, that don't that don't have as uh, great a monetary infrastructure as we do, right? Not that it's great, but not as su- uh, sustainable, right? Lebanon, right. your Venezuela, your Brazil, your Argentina, right? When yeah. you see hyperinflation or rapid inflation like you see in Lebanon, what's the first thing that you see? You see people moving from that currency to digital currencies immediately. Well, they try to move to dollars, but Lebanon, for example, won't allow you to move to dollars. So then they go to cryptocurrency, right? Right, right. Yeah, it just it it fixes all these problems, but it also is just there's no effective way other than again going back to the what if they turn off the internet? Okay, great. Then they'll destroy themselves in the pro. The only way you can effectively tell everyone they can't use crypto is to shut off the internet. Can you imagine what would happen to the U.S. economic system if they shut the internet off? It would cry. It would be nothing. It would completely crumble. Uh, and the government would suffer horribly because of that. Like, I mean, it's just the the ways to do it aren't really effective. And anything they try to do to do that will simply hasten along their own demise. And I, and I will say their demise. I believe that crypto, and I, I'm, you don't have to agree with me on this. This is my opinion. I believe that blockchain will eventually allow us to simply opt out of government so much that, that we'll say, yeah, no, we don't need the courts. We'll use this arbitration system. It's way better and more equitable and has proven to work better. Yeah, no, we don't need your you know, your financial system. This one's way better. Yeah, no, we don't really need anything you're doing. We don't need your your welfare system. Our 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 blockchain mutual aid works a thousand times better and is far more equitable and we aren't robbing anyone in the process. You know, there there's it will be able to come up with such such better solutions because it's essentially and this is me, this is my anarcho capitalism coming in. This is the market. This is just the pure market uh, uh, that is, you know, being derived from need uh, or, 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 or basically supply assigned to demand and, and, and creating new markets as a result of it. I, I could, I could do this all day long. I love it's, it. It's spooky um, the way you so, talk about it though. It, it creeps me out because I, I start going down the rabbit hole too. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not of the same ilk as you in terms of, you know, your staunch political belief, uh, like in that way. <laughs> and it's still, it creeps, and it creeps me so out uh, someone who's uh, like relatively moderate, right. Where I'm like, okay, so so the government's printing dollars to fund stuff, right? I yeah. don't want dollars, and they're trying to g- tell me that I need more dollars, and every dollar I have is trying to get out of dollars. So where does the dollar go, and then where does that leave my government, right? It's it's creepy, right? And then you start thinking about some of the other things about how the dollar worked to disenfranchise people, right? You're working yep. $4, and every hour that you worked is worth 40% less every two decades, right? And so what you're doing is you're sitting on the backs of people who are getting their time denominated in dollars, and you're eating their time, 
right? By, by devaluing the currency. And so people who have things that aren't dollars, right? Like businesses, like, uh, like, uh, real estate, like yep. gold, whatever it is that isn't denominated in dollars are flourishing at an exponential rate now as we did not, as we devalue the dollar, right? And the people who aren't are being crushed, right? And that's what they, and that's part of this, you know, K-shaped recovery and all these other things, right? But it's, it's scary and spooky and it's just, and it's only being, you know, clearly illustrated. It's, it's clearly being illustrated here, I think. It is. This is anarchy. Whether <laughs> people like it or not, this is, it is an absence of, of imposed hierarchy system. That is a definition of anarchy. This is people whose position is based entirely on their merit, the stake that they have, how much they're participating, how much value they're providing to others. This is, this is anarchy. I know it's scary if you're not an anarchist, but this is literally anarchy, and it's why it's better than that's. A, we can go into a whole thing on there, but but the reality is that this is and 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 you know when when government the if the like I said before if the biggest problem is related to well but what's government going to do and well but how do I get my money out of my 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 store of value out of this diminishing this you know increasingly valueless fiat. That's a con- condemnation of that system. That that's the the weakest link here. And uh, yeah, no, it's 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 incredible. It, it it is spooky if you if you believe we need a, a government. As someone who doesn't believe we do, and who thinks that that's an artificial artificial imposition that's been imposed upon us, this is it. It's almost like increasingly it won't be the political process. It'll simply just be the reality that this works so much better. And there's nothing in the past anarchistic solutions could be stopped. A mutual aid society could be stopped by people coming in and physically making them not do it anymore. When it's in this kind of system, you can't stop it. And not only can you not stop it, you don't have to be a white... You're not an anarchist. You're a political moderate. Most of the people involved in this are not necessarily political anarchists. They're just doing it because it makes the most sense. So you don't have to be a wild-eyed anarchist anymore to participate in this what is essentially counter-economics, this 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 growing exponential agorism that's happening. You don't have to be all about that to be a part of it. You just have to be a part of of this thing happening. It's it is incredible to me. It it, it certainly can be scary, but as someone uh who, you know, who has been waiting for this to happen for quite some time, it, it it's a pretty exciting thing and 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 the beauty of it happening is it's happening gradually so that, you know, people aren't waking up one day and going, "Oh my gosh, everything is weird and looks different from how it it, it just like the internet took years to go from, you know, and then you get to talk to someone to us doing this type of thing and then all the new stuff that's going to be down the, the road for the internet um that's how it's going to be with blockchain too so i i think it's i think it's absolutely incredible and you you look scared and i'm sorry yeah the more the more you know the thing that really just drives it home for me and why i like doing these things i did your podcast and derek's and whatnot right is it just seems like the more you know the more sense it makes right you don't have to be right. a cryptographic expert now especially right to start yep. going okay I mean, yeah, I'd rather have this stuff, right? And the to your point about the evolution of the internet, um, if you ever looked at technology adoption curves over the last like hundred years, right? The curves just start going quicker and quicker and quicker, right? So it's the a bell curve that goes like that. Yep. And the adoption of, you know, cars, right, took 40 years. The adoption of the telephone took 25. The adoption of the internet took nine, right? The adoption of cryptocurrency, and I'm, you know, overgeneralizing, but I mean, it's going to be, 
much more immediate than you would have ever thought as a result of just the way the technology is developing, right? It's just, it's just, it just is the way a new technology comes and it is, it is adopted exponentially more quickly. And that's a, that's exponential. There is, is an actual use. No, case, ex- right? Yeah. Yeah. It is adopted exponentially more quickly. And I'm a stickler for that too, by the way, with my background in research, I can't say. Oh, I'm don't sure you are. And don't, and, and use term, use mathematics terms incorrectly. <laughs> People will say exponentially to describe something that has increased by 50%. And I'm like, stop doing that. And they're like, or even for something that increased 500%. I'm like, if it's not at least a thousand percent, then it's not increment. It's not exponential. There has to be an order of magnitude involved, either up or down. Like you cannot stop yeah. saying exponential. Now, if something went down by 90%, that is exponential. But if something went down by 80%, stop saying exponential. Anyway. That's a, it that's, has a slope. Yes. That's, it, that's not exponential. It has a slope. If it's not doing this, it's not exponential. So uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. So, so uh, Matthew Stiltner said, you know, now uh, Sharon in Africa, Bob in Liberia, and Frank in the U.S. have equal value to the system they support if they provide the same service. So we create a more worldwide value of people through the decentralization of money. Now, Africa is no longer a value base that is 0.00001% of the U.S. dollar based on the fact that someone else attached those values to that person based on current currency transfer. Exactly. Exactly. This, we talk about egalitarianism. Uh, I don't use the term democratization because it implies a a a a win lose style system in a in a system of governance. If I can get fifty one percent of people to sign up to something, the other forty nine percent are disenfranchised as a result. But this we can use democratize or decentralizes everything. And it's, it's, it's incredible. So I, we can, we can do this. It's a long way and you can become more and more scared as we talk. And I, I hate to see, cause you're just sitting there like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming I around, guess. man. We gotta, I gotta listen to a couple more of these things. Watch my shows. I listen, you'll be an anarchist. My, my, the, the co-owner of Muddy Waters Media was a constitutionalist minarchist when I met him. He's now an anarchist. Most of the people on my team when I met him were Bernie bros and, and Yang gangers and, uh, and, and, uh, and other types of liberty leaning people. They're now all anarchists. I make people into anarchists. That's my job. That's, that's, that's my job. Is I lived in democratic I get... socialism in Sweden for two years. So I liked it. It was a nice place. Hey, listen, a system whereby democratic socialism is a decentralization compared to our system, which is why some of the things are fairer and more equitable. Also, they don't have a worldwide imperialist system that's built on the, the built on mass murder or a internal system that's built on uh, enslaving people uh, for the benefit of, of uh, you know, pr- uh, private prisons and free labor contractors. But but same thing that, you know. We have, you know, for all of our talk about land of the free, home of the brave, we're one of the most centralized systems out there compared it, it, with the exceptions of maybe like a China or a, a Venezuela or a, uh, a Zimbabwe. And you see what's happening in those countries, even in China. If you want to start a business, it's actually easier there than here. Um, and, and, and that's why they're, they're, they're having their upswing. They are. But then socially, they're very repressed. And that's why they have the social issues they have. Repression and centralization equals stagnation and 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 problems for, as a result. The abusive and inequitable outcome. I'm, I'm, I'm anarchy pilling you, by the way. But, uh, you know, the, it leads to the more you suppress something, the more you centralize it, the more you control it, the more repressed and the more abused and the more neglected people are within that system. 
the more you decentralize it, we're seeing that when we're talking about blockchain and crypto, the more decentralized it is, the more that power is disseminated out at, based on merit and value as opposed to imposed hierarchy, the fairer it is, the less abuse there is, the less harm that there is. You know, we could very well have a healthcare system that is based on blockchain. We could very well have a system of residency and vetting that is based on blockchain instead of immigration protocols and standards. This can apply to everything and be far more efficient and be far fairer and be far more equitable because they're being designed in favor of and by the people that are directly staked in that thing as opposed to being imposed on it centrally by someone who has no real stake in it other than wanting to continue to impose power on everyone else that's the beauty of this i hope i haven't scared you too much but this estonia is doing the same thing right estonia they are going to be able to apply this to blockchain right they they are taking a cryptographic chip and putting it in each one of their uh their, you know, their social IDs and their healthcare yep. system is tied to that cryptographic chip, their health history, their social, their social security number, their credit card, or, you know, whatever it is, their credit score, yeah, yeah. all these things, like it's tied to their cryptographic signature. Okay. So it's tied to your cryptographic signature. Why can't it be tied to some decentralized ledger instead of their, you know, cor- instead of their governmental backbone. Right. And so now all of your, all of your health history, all of your credit score, all of your other stuff, all of these other things are tied to you. Right. And everyone agrees that they're you instead of Estonia proving that it's you. Exactly. Instead of relying on Estonia's system, which is corruptible and, and, and you know, easily hackable and everything else. And here's what it comes down to. Every day, more and more people wake up and go, wait, why do I need government? This is That's the part I like. As more and more people, like, they go and they're like, yeah, I know that my insurance and my security and my this and everything is in that. And, man, it's so much better. And I'm actually gaining value. I'm a landlord now. I can have my, my stuff sitting there and staked out. And I'm gaining value. I get to work. You know, uh, I, I don't have to work as long. And, and, and now I can pursue things that I have a passion in because I'm, I'm, I'm able to sit on the value of uh, – I can, I, I can stake out and sit on the value of others. And they want to because it allows them to be able – it's not this, you know, imposed system where I'm forcing someone to be my wage slave by imposing licensure laws that don't allow them to create their own uh, their own their own you know uh, 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 enterprise to compete with mine it's just the opposite they actually want to do it because they can use the stake that I have to grow something out of it and more and more people wake up from that and go wait why do we need government I love it anyway I I, I I'm, I'm gonna I promise to let you go because we, we we're heading up on two hours you have been a fantastic guest and I, I thank you so much for coming on I before I let you go I want to give you a chance to say anything you want to say anything even if it's I'm scared you are you are free to say that now whatever you want to say anything you want to promote with your with your company what you do any upcoming events you want anything that you want to say however long you want to say it uh, the floor is is yours travis wentworth we did two hours wow i really did i really did not think it was that long time flies when you're having fun um i appreciate it thank you very much for having me on this was a really amazing conversation um yeah so uh social media and company stuff so i am travis iq on twitter which is where i'm probably the most active if you have questions or are interested dm me there or sh- shoot me a, a message and we'll, we'll definitely give you some more information um the company is intelligence quest and so that's why i'm travis iq everywhere uh we have a youtube channel called intelligence quest and we do cybersecurity uh fundamentals we do some tech deep dives we do bitcoin um, we're all we're just technologists, like uh, myself and, and my partner. And I'm uh, Travis underscore IQ on Instagram. I usually use that for fun tech memes, things like flaming solar winds for their bad hacks and things like this. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. And I really I really appreciate it, man. This was really, really fun.
Yeah, well, fun, and I know you're Ooh. gonna you're gonna message me after this and be like, why why are you trying to make me an anarchist? I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Intelligencequest.com. So that's what that's that's the, the business intelligencequest.com. We also were asked early on, and I forgot to ask, um, are you related to JG Wentworth? Man, I I didn't I never got that until I moved out uh, out of New England because there's so many Wentworths in New England. Absolutely not. No. Uh, there's okay. too many Wentworths. If you're not from, if you're not from uh, the Northeast, then you don't know this, but they're everywhere in the Northeast. So okay, um, okay. So if I if I have a structured settlement and I need cash now, you cannot help me. I cannot get you any cash, and plus, you already have a guy for that. So you have, you have the lawyer that started. I guess he was personal injury, but oh yeah, no, oh but no, he'll <laughs> get me the money. No, see, that's the thing. So, so Chris Chris Reynolds can get me that structured settlement. <laughs> what if I need cash now? Yeah. Blockchain yeah. fixes that, by the way. Anyway, uh, yeah. hey, thank Travis, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, stick around. I'm going to talk with you during the outro, but hey, thank you so much, man. Thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. You were a fantastic guest. And folks, thank you for tuning into this special episode of My Fellow Americans. It's special because all episodes are special. But thank you for tuning into this episode of My Fellow Americans. Uh, I will see you next week. But first, if you live in or near... Lebanon, Tennessee, or I'm told Lebanon, I'm sorry, Lebanon, Tennessee, spelled Lebanon, but Lebanon, Tennessee, uh, I will be there on Saturday and Sunday uh, for the Libertarian Party of Tennessee's uh, annual uh, convention. So be sure to come out. Uh, I would love to have you. I would love to meet you, or if I already know you, then I'd love to see you again because I miss you. Uh, the website is LPTN, Libertarian Party of Tennessee, LPTN.org, and you can find out more about the event. You can sign up to uh, to be at it. I'd love to see you. And uh, and then I will join you back here uh, next on, on Monday uh, on my social media, Monday at 8. Uh, I will be doing my next episode of The Culture of Winning. And then on the, and I think we haven't, I don't know who my guest is yet, but I'm going to have an amazing guest for Culture Winning. Uh, then be sure to join me on Tuesday uh, at 8 p.m. for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the cheerful little 2020 Wonder Boys that we are, 2020 Wonder Boys that we are. And then tune in next week, right here, same spike place, same spike time for another amazing episode of My Fellow Americans. Folks, thanks so much for watching again. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys.
crimes But it eats to the minds like mine Sometimes darkness is all I find You know what they say about an eye for an eye In a time when the blind leave the blind Who am I to deny when cry when a loved one dies I recognize that body outside When a hole in a body that was alive Now they find them talk out loud Find out how but you never know why It ain't even make it to the news at nine It ain't even make it to the news at nine That's my sister, mother, father, brother, son That's one of mine Hold these tears, I close my eyes Open up the only fine I'm in line There's a pointless murder happening all the time We will make a